Welcome to the MRX Influencers Podcast, where you come for the insights, but stay for the good times. I'm Dan Fleetwood, and on this podcast, I chat with the best and brightest minds in the research space. On this episode, I chat with Question Pro's own Tim Cornelius about accessing high-quality research sample, data quality measures and the importance of them, and really some of the trends in the space around data quality and what's being done today. So without further ado, let's get started. Mark, how's it going, buddy? Hi, Dan. Good morning. Hey. It's going very well. How's it going with you? It's awesome. It's a good day. I'm, I'm fully like got my Texas shirt on today, so I'm, I'm living it now, you know? Nice. Yeah. So without further ado, I think let's bring in Tim here and let's get started. Tim, are you there? Hey, Tim. Hey, guys. Hey, actually, it's perfect timing. We were we were stalling a little bit, but we're we were just going to go over the the topics and so forth. So good timing to have. Great to have you back. Good. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. No. no welcome. <laughs> no, welcome back no to worries. the show. Welcome back to the show, Tim. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a, been a little bit since you've been on, but we're happy to have you back. <laughs> yeah, happy to be back. All right. Perfect. So, Tim, we were just talking about sort of you know SampleCon was on you know happened this week. I think there was a lot of buzz around it. I think because one, it's, I think it's a good event, but also it was the first in-person event in how many how many year or months rather, you know? So I think that was a big reason for it, but what were some of your thoughts? Then we can get into some of the themes and definitely want to get your hot takes because I know you got them. <laughs> Always got them. Uh, so I thought it was it's super important. I'm super glad that the, the sample industry was able to come together, whether it's suppliers, buyers, um, and users, brands, everybody. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the time in market research, um, you know, you posted yesterday. Um, so Dan Fleetwood on LinkedIn, you should connect with him. Thank um, you. Thank you for the shout out, Tim. Appreciate that. <laughs> yesterday about, you know, if you have points, but you don't tell a story, what are you doing type of thing. Right. Um, and I think a lot of the times that that corresponds in sample because, you know, it, the, the nomenclature and everything, people are, you you lose the human element. So for right. instance, in this industry, we need to connect with each other in person and realize, right. hey, there's uh, real people answering these surveys. So mm -hmm. they are North Star um, and, and that's what we need to make sure we take care of. Right. No, I think you bring up a good point. Rather, it's, I think, sure, there's going to be competition in an industry, but I think the collaboration needs to be there, especially for a lot of these, I would say, challenges in the industry that I know we're facing in different hurdles, but yeah. especially when it comes to what does it look like in the future and what are we doing about it now to match some of those needs. So I know one of the topics that came up at um, SampleCon, and I, th I think it's just in general an interesting uh, topic to, to kind of think about is, you know, what, is the, what does the future look like for the, the sampling industry? And how researchers, how can they be ready for the, the challenges of the, of the sample and for up to tomorrow, I would say. So what are your, some of your thoughts there, Tim, around what do researchers need to do to get ready? And what are some of those challenges that they should be thinking about? Sure, absolutely. Um, here's my hot take number one. Uh, All right. Mark, we need like a counter, like number one hot take, you know? <laughs> number one. Yeah, we'll um, do something fun out of these. Yeah, yeah. Well, come on. Well, we'll get something for next time. Uh, so in the sample space specifically, uh, those that are not catering to the end user and making sure that the respondent experience is the best experience possible 
are going to get left behind. Mm. Um, if mm. you think about other industries, um, I know there was some talk about uh, comparing Amazon supply chain to and buying right. to the sample industry. Right. Um, if you if your number one priority isn't taking care of the respondents of the survey, being fair, rewarding them for their time, um, you're going to get left behind. So mm. have to have a great experience, which leads me to my next point of the experience is shared. It's not just a sample point of view from the suppliers and buyers. Interesting. Yeah, you have okay. to entire supply chain. Where can I improve the process? So, uh, a few a few months ago, we were building our Facebook panel. Um, mm -hmm. We were exposing different respondents to different um, YouTube videos to verify some ad copy. One of our customers yeah. did not put closed captioning on their videos. And one of our respondents reached out to us and said, hey, Tim, you know, I was marked inattentive because I wasn't able to complete this survey. Mm -hmm. So Question oh. Pro did a 180, and we actually have some of the most robust ability compliance software out there. And I mm -hmm. think but it's not the most um, accessible platform out there at this point. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a good point, and I think we are the number one in accessibility, so... That's a good point that you bring up, but do you feel like the industry is lacking in these accessibility and making it more inclusive for, for anybody, no matter any perceived special needs that they have? What's your take there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm currently running a test with uh, respondents who have poor eyesight using screen readers and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and tactic feedback on mm -hmm. customers' websites to see you know, am I isolating 5% plus of the population of the, the people that right. own cannot access my content? Um, those are people right. with enormous buying power. Those are people that deserve for their opinion to be voiced. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, 5%, 10%, whatever it is, that's a significant portion, especially in an industry that deals with like, you know, 5%, 10%, plus or minus this or that. Like, it's super important that we need to include and make the surveys accessible for everybody, I believe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then another topic that came up, Tim, was something that I wanted to get your take on was market research, but uh, you know, multicultural Americans. So what are some things that you're seeing there and what are some of the hot takes that you have in regard to that topic? Sure, absolutely. So whenever you're going through the screening process, um, let's pick those that identify as multicultural or Hispanic. Mm -hmm. um, there's about eight mm -hmm. profiling questions that the industry has adopted for that, for different origins of where people are from. If you look at mm -hmm. the state sample population in aggregate, there are around 20 different Hispanic country languages that people, countries that people, mm -hmm. each of those countries has a different cultural experience within their uh, grasp of the English language and how they interact with Americans in English and in Spanish. So I do not want to be asking a person from Puerto Rico or Mexico the same question in someone from Argentina um, that came from, rather. They've got completely different cultural. They almost even speak different languages at times. So I think the cultural sense portion is going to be very huge coming up. And I think that there's going to be a lot of niche players that can come into the space and collaborate with larger players 
um, to be able to <laughs> populate. Interesting. So it's not not just Spanish, but you need different maybe dialects and including all of the different, um, yeah. you know, Spanish speakers and so forth. Like you said, there were 20 different kind of subgroups within that, right? So I think it's getting more broader appeal to to get reach all those audiences as well. So that that is something that's super inter- interesting. You talked about it yeah. a little bit, Tim. I know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was actually saying that's uh, that's a very valid point, uh, Dan, because, I mean, now that Tim brings it up, even when you look at India, right, uh, and when you're looking at sample in India, I mean, there's so many different dialects. Now that I actually think about it, I mean, you, you cannot even get into the, okay. the nuances of, of this dialect is so different from this. And, and then that's a great point. I mean, I would love to see what actually comes out of this whole conversation. No, I think, I think you're right, Mark, and you bring up a good point. I remember even when I was in India, I was like, well, it's Hindi, right? But no, no, I speak Marathi, right? So it's like all these different yeah. languages and dialects, and then the two don't translate. Yeah, plus there's right? sub dialects in that also, right? I mean, if you right. if you go from Pune to another part of Maharashtra, it's it's very different, and uh, and I'm sure people want to. I mean, they want to feel inclusive, right? When you you don't want them to feel encompassed and say that we fall right. under this umbrella. So, no, that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. So I think so far the theme is inclusion, right? So. That's that's the theme so far. Uh, Tim, I want to get another um, hot take from you. And I know this is an area that is dear to your heart with data quality. So where does the burden of data quality stand? Is it on the people like Question Pro that's giving the software to create the surveys? Is it on the supplier? What's your take there? I love this topic. Um, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> fully believe that data quality, the burden of data quality or the benefit of data quality is shared by everyone. So data quality mm-hmm. is inherently personal. You have different sta- uh, different um, opinions of what data quality looks like. Mark has different ones. I have different yeah. ones. Mine's, a lot of ours change from day to day. Right. And- because fraud and market research and data quality is always changing. You have to be adequate. You have to be on your toes to be able to handle it. So, you know, when you're when you're doing your taxes, Dan, do you do them yourself? Or and you? I mean, this is kind of. I mean, your wife's uh, in numbers, so that's not fair. But when I do my taxes, you know, I trust that to an accountant, and then I review it myself. Mm. At the same way. I- you have to have someone that's in it every single day to understand every single mm. type of flips of the coin, the the dice, whatever you want to call it. So um, yeah. the data quality is shared. So the example I shared earlier about the YouTube video that didn't have closed captions readily available and on the screen, mm-hmm. uh, that is a that is nothing that I could have done on the sample side to make that accessible. I mm-hmm. have. With the customer, and I think that platforms. Here's a hot take: the platforms such as <laughs> Question Pro have a duty and an obligation to be reviewing these surveys before they're exposed to the respondents. If we are handling the sample, um, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think that it's super important that we make sure that if if my panelists and my responses are going to the survey. <laughs> I have to, you know, make sure, check their ID before they get in the car, you know, in the club, I mean. So, right, right. It's, it's shared. And, you know, one of the things, I could talk about this for hours, but one of the things <laughs> that is one of the principles of writing algorithms 
is the algorithms are going to be biased based on who wrote them. Uh, algorithms are mm-hmm. all improving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you write the rules of any coding, you have to put a um, threshold on them. Um, if you think about the philosophy that the trolley car experiment or uh, one of those like that or a Tesla self-driving car, if you get in a situation where you can swerve and hit a guardrail um, to save the person next to you's life but kill yourself, are you going to do that? Or are you going to swerve into the other car, potentially hurting them to save mm. your family? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. uh, I like to think about things in a really, really <laughs> way. <laughs> when someone, someone, whether they want a breakfast bar, they might not be thinking about that. But for our customers that are spending time of their life or transactioning, transactioning time, or money, yeah. um, I think it's important to, to really see the big picture there. Right. And I think this goes to one of the points you bring up, Tim. And by the way, for those keeping track, I think that was the third hot take, maybe, uh, so far. So, yeah, probably the third. Um, you talked a little bit yeah. about, you know, the respondent experience and so forth. And I think it's important to remember that they're, the respondents are humans, right? They're not just a commodity. And I think it's hard to see that a lot because you're not seeing that actual person taking the survey. You're seeing it as, you know, zeros and ones data within a spreadsheet or coming into the platform. So I think it's important to keep keep that in mind as well, right? So what do you have to say around that and, you know, treating respondents fairly? Is it, is it incentivizing them? Is it setting them up for success and letting them know how long things are going to take? What are, what are some of your thoughts around the respondent experience in, in that regard? Sure. This is a, when it goes through sample in the, the survey process, um, I think that the, the pre-screeners have to be completely clear and um, <clears throat> the expectation from the very beginning. Um, a lot of places that people go to get their surveys are, you know, in apps or intercepts on the New York Times or a publisher like that mm-hmm. and trying to get to content or getting rewarded. The nature of that is... I want to get through the survey. So it's super important to make sure that the people that are taking your survey are primed not, so that they can know what's to be expected. So hmm. if I was to, if I were to get pushed a survey when I'm trying to access an article, you know, it's supposed to be two minutes, but I get in there and about seven minutes later, I still haven't got to the yeah. con. That's a terrible right. um, sample. Yeah. have to be upfront both in how long the survey is going to take, what's expected of you, and it has to be that way in field. So I could I could put up a survey and say this is going to take 30 seconds. But if it takes two minutes, you know, shame on me. Uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because they will not come back. And once you lose respondents like that, you're losing them forever. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, right? You want to – It's. I mean, it, is, it feels like a commodity, but they are – people and you want them to come back and continue to take surveys, right? So that helps out costs for everybody. So no, I think I think that's an interesting point. Tim, what were some of the, you have any other points or things to kind of takeaways that you saw from SampleCon or things going on in the industry? Or Mark, did you have a, a question? I, I have one question actually as a follow-up before uh, Tim comes up with these points. I know Jim in Brazil actually spoke at SampleCon too. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, one of the topics that he spoke about was, uh, 
how to recruit and engage uh, Generation Z for uh, market research. So mm. uh, we we keep talking a lot about these. Uh, I mean, you you want you don't want to falsify information, and the Generation Z they they want instant gratification. They have uh, mu- I mean, we at least we say that they have a much lesser of an attention span, and um, they want stuff very quickly. So do, what do you what's your take on that? I would say that you know it's. You can't isolate those populations. You have to speak to people where they exist. So, you know, there are certain are capturing people that have um, capturing people that have opted into the survey. So, say I am on like uh, Snapchat or something like that, and I've got my email address, phone number. I've opted into surveys instead of buying a new filter. I could take a short survey to be able to get that um, based on data, things like that. So I'm a firm, you know, meeting people where they are. Hmm. If someone, hmm. I don't think that you're going to reach me. Yeah. But you very well might in a New Orleans newspaper or a business or something that with our industry. Right. And so hot take, got to talk to people where they are and the, they want to be talked to. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good point, right? Like, don't try to look for Gen Z and somewhere where they're not. I think it's, it's that super interesting, interesting point there. Tim, what were some, what are some other things that you see going on in the industry that are kind of trending topics that you wanted to talk about today? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things that I saw from SampleCon is um, collaboration. That. Mm. Everyone seems, everyone, you know, has to pay the bills and keep the lights on of everyone's mm-hmm. account. Um, but I'm seeing more uh, larger companies partner with smaller companies that are really taking care of things that larger companies are not able to pivot and do. We're very mm-hmm. question pro that we have such a small company mindset uh, that we're able to take care of our customers. But there are some mm-hmm. other companies out there that are very large it's no fault of their own, but it's so hard for them to pivot and do any custom work because mm-hmm. of all the bureaucracy that goes in there and all of the, the people they have to appease. So any type of direction change that they would take would have to go to a board of directors, maybe even shareholders. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm liking here in this space is, you know, like I said before, if you're not someone who, who does something super well or has the time to... Um, understand fielding strategy like that maybe you outsource it to mm-hmm. an audience or a different yeah. that's uh doing it every single day and catching people doing fraud every single day so that's that's my point on the the collaboration is we dan brought it up a while ago and people are starting to catch on the do it together mindset um mm-hmm. We go up against people in sales cycles, but we also work with a lot of people that are providing great insight, great work on the sales base. So, right, right. Our collaboration, um, pushing uh, research forward. Yeah, no, I think you, collaboration is an interesting point. And I, it's something that I see in the industry. I remember when I first started in the market research industry, and this people like com- competitors were meeting and it was, at these events and different things. And it's felt super strange to me almost like, but just the amount of collaboration that was happening and it's kind of like everybody can win mentality. I think 
there's like this abundance mindset that I think is is really good in this industry and the ability to help out. And to your point, Tim, with you know these large companies, especially if they've acquired other companies and they're trying to you know build out that base, and there's a lot can be some differences of opinion or direction shifts as it makes it harder. But but working with some of these smaller companies, like you mentioned, I think. It makes sense. And I, that collaboration, I think, is key to the industry at large and winning. So I definitely agree with you there. That might be hot take number five, Tim. So that's that's your hot take. You have five hot takes so far. So if someone can guess them all, message me and I'll, I'll send you something. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and other point, uh, I'd like to get your take on it as well, both of yours, is the supply and the demand curve. Um, mm. every- oh, I'm seeing, you know, supply is an issue. We're not getting fast enough. Um, the demand is there. But I'm really thinking, you know, if I think that that I was I was looking at one of the people who presented at SampleCon and they were saying, we will not touch a survey with less than 10% incidence rate. Mm. Work. Find your people, target them fairly and make it a good survey experience and suppliers will send. Mm. Problem will solve itself once companies that are create survey that are user friendly. They're short, and they set expectations on the front end, um, so people yeah. can complete the survey. Right. So nothing below ten percent, Dan. I know you as a researcher are saying, "Oh man, we got." <laughs> but I thought it's it's not so much about incidents now, Tim. It's about conversion, right? So maybe we need more targeting on these folks. I know there's like. 300 plus data points on some of these, mm-hmm. some of these, um, yeah. not commodities, some of these humans, right, that we're surveying. <laughs> so, um, I mean, how many more data points do you need? It's, it's kind of crazy, but I think it's when you need, like, you start kind of pairing all these different things together and you're looking for a specific person that that's where, you know, incidence gets super low. But I, I, I agree with you. I mean, anything below 10%, you're, definitely churning through through panels. It's not a great experience for anybody, either the, the people taking the survey or the supplier or the buyer. I mean, it's it's kind of a nightmare. So I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's super important um, to, to make sure that everything is, is uh, taking care of the respondent in the end of it. Um, so definitely, I agree. There's so many data points out there that every but if you think about some of the communities that we, we run, we've had people for 10 years that mm-hmm. thousands of, you know, you got to understand like what data points are actual, what has changed, what's the core demographic for uh, how someone feels in the moment type of thing. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's complicated and, and that's why I would doubt and at least get the advice of right. dealing with it every single day. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And then I think you brought it up a little bit, Tim. Maybe we should kind of dive into it as survey length. I think it's hard to ask someone to stay and complete a survey that's, you know, 20, 30 minutes long, either without letting them know ahead of time or proper incentive. But that's a long time for someone yeah. to stay engaged. Like, think about, like, that's like watching an episode of, you know, The Office, Friends, whatever sitcom you want to watch, right? That's, that's, kind of broken yeah. down into that 15, 20 minutes. Think about taking a survey for the whole time, the same amount of time that you're watching yeah. one of those shows, right? Like to me, it, it's it's tough. And I think 
that is something that I know the industry is trying to combat, but with all of these forces of stakeholders wanting more and more questions in the survey because you have that person, I think it's time to kind of break up a little of those surveys a little bit into maybe more manageable chunks or maybe it's a higher incentive, some different way to go about it because there's this push to say, you know, shorter surveys, agile is better, but then we still see these long surveys. So I'd love to get your take on that as well. Yeah. So, you know, here's, here's uh, uh, another hot take. Um, All right. Number six, seven. <laughs> yeah. Just, we need a button like that. <laughs> we need like a counter in the corner. So yeah. Right. Then I'll yeah. Just, you, know, you know me, I'll push the numbers and they'll get way too hot. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing surveys and I'm, I'm putting this survey together, I think as a person who's building a survey, um, and this is based on I'm a part of several, like every panel that I can get a part of because yeah. if you yeah. survey and you don't do the surveys as yourself of other companies, you can't see how you can improve. So yeah. there and what I feel like is if the president of your university or the CEO of your company would not spend the time to finish your survey, or if you yourself would not take the Yes, survey, I love this point, Tim. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And you should not be putting that into respondents' hands. And if you were to reach that person, how much would you incentivize them? What would you do to accommodate mm. the person and reward that person for their time? I think is the, the big part here. Um, how would you take care of yourself if it was you taking the survey? And how would you take care of someone that you cared about and treat someone that you cared about with the respondents? So no, I think that's a great litmus, litmus test, right? Like, would you take the survey that you're sending out? Would your boss take it or these stakeholders? I think that's, that's a good point. So no, I, I love, I love that. I've heard, I've heard that before. Like, uh, Hey, when I've, when I've asked people, like, have you ever reviewed the survey? Like, no, nah, I'm not going to take that. I've heard that too, but it's a good test. I mean, if you wouldn't take it, why would you expect someone else to like, exactly. someone else to take it, yeah. yeah. How, much, how much time would, is this survey worth to you? And what do you, what would you pay someone for this? Because if you're really speaking to humans, which you are, um, we're getting rid of all the fraud and all the bots and all of that. How would you take this if you went up to someone on the street? Would you say, hey, I got a quarter for 25 minutes of your time with you when they've got a screen oh. right there, you know? Like right. it, it's like how much, if you were to walk up to someone in person and say, "This is these are the questions I'm going to ask you, probably about the 10-minute mark, I'd have someone being like, this is ridiculous. Pay me more. <laughs> you wasted my time. You lied no, I think that's definitely true. That's definitely true. I feel like a lot of these topics we'll probably still be talking about, I think, you know, in the years to come, but hopefully we'll move closer and get better. I think maybe, you know, change won't happen overnight here, but I think the more awareness that we bring about these things, about anything that we've talked about today or that came up at SampleCon, I think will be uh, the more awareness I think will definitely help out. So makes sense to me. Yeah. Cool. Well, Tim, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. So we had seven, eight, maybe even 10 hot takes if we, if we boil this down. So love that. Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the MRX Influencers Podcast. If you want more information about Question Pro, go to questionpro.com. If you want to follow me, feel free to do so on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, we'll see you later. 